This episode of the Round 6 Podcast is brought to you by Trailer Tug, the world's strongest trailer dolly. Learn more at TrailerTug.com. Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion featuring a variety of automotive subjects, interviews, special guests, and stories. Hosted by the Round 6 Gearheads, Brian Stubsky, Alex Welsh, and Brad King. Here on episode 61, it's literally an art-filled episode as we welcome Disney artist, airbrush prodigy, and the Forrest Gump of the art world, Art Alvarez. Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Brad. I'm Alex. And I'm Art. There we have it. We are... Uh... <laughs> It, it is a, a, a true honor to uh, be here on episode 61 with a uh, an artist whose work I, I look up to on so many different levels. Um, man, the one, the only, Art Alvarez. Thanks for joining us, man. Wow, what an introduction. That's great. Can, can we kind of keep that in file for a while? And, and, I, and look at this, 61, and I'm 61 years old. Ready hey. to go, turn 62. So what a number. Great number to be in. We'll have nice. you back for 62 then. Screw it. We'll just we'll keep <laughs> yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be next year. Um, <laughs> no, it's great to be on here. I, as I was talking earlier with you guys, I were, I was just catching up on some of the the uh, radio hearings or what's it, a podcast. I, I don't even know, but I'm catching up on it. You were talking earlier about um, I, I'm more than an artist, and it's funny that you would – clamp onto that because there's so many facets to me and where I started and how I got into this gig. I always look, as everybody knows, you're always that kid in class getting in trouble for drawing cars. I mean, I think most of us in this arena right here and most of us that have done a podcast were those guys that I love the cars. I mean, who didn't love hot rods as they were kids? And it kind of came off my older brother. He had a 1955 Chevy and it was a gasser. Ooh. And, uh, it was an awesome car, and he would take me on rides on it, and I'm just thinking to myself, this is awesome. This is created just incredible, right? So I kept – that's where my starting – I was always an artist, but I started drawing hot rods and hot rods and getting cartoon magazines and copying them as much as I can. And that got me in trouble, of course, like everybody else uh, that kind of has their artistic story as growing up as a, as a little hot rod artist. Well, that was me and I guess everybody else as well. But as growing up – I never knew what an airbrush was, even through high school. They never known, you know, you don't have that in the curriculum of this is an airbrush and this is how it works. Um, I kind of found it by accident. I was working for Foot Locker as a manager and us managers at the at Modesto and Modesto being like the hometown of graffiti, um, American graffiti. That's where the story is told. Stockton, Modesto, Turlock. Uh, I happened to live in Modesto, and McHenry was the big cruise. So um, working at Foot Locker, us managers at the um, mall there decided to go to a car show. Now, I came from a small town in San Inez, Solving. I don't know if you guys know where that's at, but it's yep. a real yeah. small town, mm -hmm. a great town. It's a great town to visit. You have Solving. You have the Danish pastries. You got all that stuff going on. Pea soup so, Anderson's. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So 
when I went to Modesto, of course, who we went to the cruising and all, I had never been to a car show car, because of this little town. Then moving to Modesto, which is a little cow town in itself, a car show came into Turlock. Uh, a bunch of us guys got together. I'm excited. I want to go see a car show. Uh, I've heard all about these. So we head out to this car show, and it's four of us. And we come into this first building, and it's almost like the Fairplex uh, in Turlock. You have those kind of hangar-looking uh, places where you have all the cars in. So we go into the first hangar, and literally I stopped in my tracks because I saw the great Renero airbrush and T-shirts. I was just stunned. This was it. This, I, I just couldn't believe it. And I didn't talk to him for a while because I, stayed, I stood back. I wanted to see what was going on. I was really just captivated. I even told the guys, you guys keep going. I want to <laughs> check this out. I'm watching this guy's airbrush. And I'm thinking to my in my mind, like everybody else, there's money here. There's absolute money because I can see it going all through the counters. So after about 15, 20 minutes, I walked to him. I said, oh, man, what is this? You know, And he's kind of giving me this weird look. But you know when people walk up to your booth and even – I knew when later on you have this glassy look and I can tell when kids come up like, what is that kind of thing? And what are you doing? And I understand it. So he knew that I was really interested in what was going on. So he made it sound like he had it cornered on this part of the world and I shouldn't partake in any type of venture. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that told me, man, I'm in, I, I'm absolutely in. And so he would not tell, you know, this was back in the, the 1979-1980. He's not going to tell me shit. He's not going to tell me anything because that's the way it was. A lot of artists would keep to themselves. I knew that there was this little item out there, and I took a good look at it. So the next day in Modesto, they had just built an Aaron Brothers. So there I go, and, and uh, I'm asking for this, and I don't even know the name. I'm saying it's a... Uh, pistol looking thing there's paint coming out it sounds like there's air i'm literally describing it to her she goes oh you mean an airbrush that's it that's what i want she says god i i can't there's no one here behind the airbrush counter it's a specialty thing but the gentleman will be in next week or not next week the next day and i said all right i'll be in the next day sure enough i'm there but this is how it started you know i knew nothing about what i was getting into Long story short, I'm with an airbrush in my hand. I'm in my garage. I have a pump. I got a hose. I got paint. I got uh, material, and I'm just painting my ass off, and I'm just painting and painting and painting. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I absolutely – there's no YouTubes. There's no, nobody yeah. that I go can go to to kind of ask what's going on here. But I did take some stuff back to the guy that sold me the airbrushes, and he says, my God, you know, who's teaching you? Who's – how do you know all this stuff? And I go, well, I'm just learning on my own. This is, you know, what do you think? He says, well, you're doing great, but you're, you're missing a couple of stuff. So he would, I, I don't know if you guys know what a model H Pache is, but it's a, just an automatic trigger. It has no double action at, at all. It's just, it's, you push down and get paint. I got to go in. Cause that was what I started with. That was yeah. my first airbrush. Yeah. Well, and that's what he with, said. I exactly. Badger 150. Wow. That's weird. Okay. Yeah. And now, Everybody knows with the H, again, push down, paint comes out. But he said, down here at the bottom, if you, you know, turn it a little bit, you're going to get an incredible line. You know, your, your lines are going to get a lot more defined. 
So he showed me these little tricks here and there. And sure enough, I go back and I do it again and come back a week later and show me he goes, my God, <laughs> he says, wow, this is, this is incredible. So he shows me his work. And this old guy worked back in the fifties doing the black and white artwork that you would see in, you know, look magazine or a uh, digest magazine, the old magazines that uh, showed the um, advertisement for Ford or Oldsmobile or whatever, but he had these beautiful renderings that he did back in the 50s. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is what it does. Um, <laughs> so that gave me a chance. It gave me a look to what this this item can do. So I go to swap meets and I start there um, in series, which is between Modesto and Turlock is where literally I started my gig. I'm working at Full Locker as a manager. I'm taking my time off when I want to because being the manager, I can make my own schedule. So I would either do it a Saturday or a Sunday and or maybe Saturday and Sunday, take the weekend off, but I'd be working over there. So like anything else, little by little, uh, I'm making some money and then little by little, I'm making more money. Before you know it, people are making orders. In about a month and a half, I'm making more money on a one to two day venture at a swap meet than I am at a manager of Foot Locker. I mean, it wasn't hard to think about this, you know, that this is going somewhere. This is going big. And I'm having a blast. I'm doing exactly what I want. So I call my parents up and I go, listen, um, I'd like to come back home <laughs> and live there for a while. I have this great idea. Uh, I think it's going to really work. Um, and my mom says, okay, you can come, but I don't want you goofing around. I want you working at what you're talking about here. So that's how it starts. And I moved back home, worked for about three months, worked out of the garage, and just went nuts with my airbrushing because I wanted to get everything out. I wanted to really get into what I was doing. Before you know it, my cousins get a hold of this. I'm in San Inez, back to San Inez again. So now my cousins in L.A. are going, dude, you need to be in L.A. This Your stuff will just go bonkers in L.A. And this is the time uh, – 80, 81, where the mini truck craze is going on. The the bug, California bug thing is just starting, starting to take off. And it's seventh heaven. It just goes <laughs> nuts. I mean, I'm printing money, literally printing money. I'm going to car shows. I'm going to swap meets. I'm, in fact, my main swap meet was La Mirada. I don't know if you guys ever been to the La Mirada swap meet, but that's like the mother load of swap meets uh, in that area. And, um, man, uh, I just went to town. Absolutely. I can keep going. I mean, I've, I've got tons of stuff. If, if you guys are. Oh, no, this is great. Uh, what were your designs you were mostly doing at the beginning? Were you doing faces? Were you doing cars only? Were you doing people's names? The only thing I would do was cars. That's all I knew what to do was cars. And at that time, of course, once I got to make friends on the other side of the ocean, would be Florida, of course. They're doing sunsets. They're doing all this colorful stuff, and I have no idea yet because in the beginning, there was no magazine. The, the magazine of Airbrush Action didn't come out to about 1985-86, um, and that was the first Airbrush Action before Stiglitz uh, took it over, and there was a, maybe eight to ten episodes of Airbrush Action before it went on to uh, what it is now. Um, so that's how you kind of learned what was going on the other side of the pond. 
Now you kind of get a legit what's going on. But in 1983, I'm working at one of my first uh, big car shows with RG Canning Custom Rod Show here in Long Beach. And uh, I'm setting up and I'm putting all my stuff up. And I have a, uh, a friend of mine that's helped me out. And I'm doing a shirt that was already ordered. And he taps me and he says, Art, Ed Roth is coming to your booth. And I'm like, what? And I thought he was just kidding me. And sure enough, I turn around and there's Big Daddy Ed Roth. And he goes, hey, kid. He says, uh, wow, how long have you been doing this? And I go, I don't know, a couple of years. He says, these are, these are crazy. These are great. Uh, how much are you making on them? I go, about $35. No, you're not making $35. I'm making about $35. He says, back in my day, I was making about 5 to 10 bucks on these. Wow. Wow, as times change. And um, he says, I really like your style. And this is, this is awesome. I've heard a little bit about you. And I just wanted to come and say hi. And I said, well, thank you, Ed, man. I, wow. And, you know, uh, I'm dropping my jaw. You know, I'm trying everything to kind of compose myself, having Ed Roth uh, there in front of my booth. So he leaves and he comes back about half an hour later. He says, hey, kid, he says, I've been thinking. He says, um, how would you like to tour with me a little bit? And I'm like, what? He says, how would you like to tour with me a bit? He says, uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not able to do this. Uh, you know, quite frequently, but if I had you there, you can airbrush while I do some other stuff, and uh, you just go wherever I go on these tours, and I'm like, I'm in. Are you kidding me? You know, this is my foot through the door. It's it's a celebrity. It's my hero. It's my icon. I'm going to get to work with Big Daddy and Ross, so there it goes. You know, two weeks later, there I am at uh, Lake Havasu, and uh, he has a big event going on there, and I'm in the booth, and we're off, you know, we're off and running. And now we're, we're like friends and we're, we're talking and he's even learning off me a little bit. I'm learning off him a little bit. Let's jump a couple of months as I'm airbrushing. The problem was, is that I, I could not sign the artwork. I'm working on an umbrella, Big Daddy at Roth. I ask, uh, I get these guys that come and say, Hey, uh, can you sign the bottom? Nope. I can't, you know, I'm sorry. I can't do any. Oh, come on. You know, they're asking me, you got to sign. So these guys would come back later and say, here's a $20 bill, sign, you know, give me a signature. I go, I really can't. But later on, it seemed like, well, all right. Some of the $20 bills came into $50 bills. Granted, they've already paid for the shirt. They're paying me extra to sign the shirt. And these are guys, and you know who they are. They keep coming to these car shows, and they know who you are, and you keep seeing them at these different places. And uh, as they get to know you and they see the artwork, they'd love to have a signature. So this was going on for a little bit where some guys would ask for the signature, and I'd, they'd tip me, and I'd sign it and send it off. Well, Ed kind of got a hold of this stuff, and uh, he was pretty sharp about how, you know, this is his place and no signature, and, boy, we had it out. And uh, uh, it was like, I'm sorry, Ed. You know, I'm sorry, sorry. You know, I mean, it won't happen again kind of thing. So <laughs> that only took about five months. And sure enough, here it comes again. You know, you get the guys asking for that uh, that tip and that signature. But I think I was set up the, the second time because the tip went up to about eighty to a hundred bucks, and uh, it's something you know you just like. Uh, and I thought, God, it almost seems like I'm set up at that because I'm ready to leave. I'm ready. I think I've grown enough, but, um, and I've got a following now. And if this is set up, so let it. Play. Sure enough, about an hour. 
hour later, he comes back with the guy that I signed the T-shirt for. Oh, and no. that was it. Oh. Be- <laughs> so before we got in the argument, I said, Ed, God, I'm sorry, but I have to go. I, you know, I'm, I, this has been wonderful. And, of course, he comes back like, you know, you kids, you don't know anything. I was going to make you famous. You know, I was going to do this for you and do that for you. God, you took advantage of me and all this. I go, Ed, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry about, you know, I'm trying to backtrack on this. But that was it. Uh, that was about 1984 to 85, and uh, I'm on my own, and now i got a following. I'm going to the RG Kenny Custom Rod shows back again on my own, going to different type of locations, and just it started to really blossom. And I'm going from now T-shirts to painting cars. I'm doing the names on the doors. I think you guys know um, Bob Hayes, and he's the president of Sunset Truckers. He got me into – the RG Candy Custom Rod Shows, and he too kind of got me in front of Ed Roth. They two are friends. So it goes from there to designing t-shirts to doing sunset trucker behind windows. I'm not only airbrushing, but I'm now getting into another form of doing murals on cars, painting cars, painting vans, doing all that and the like. This is when uh, Tools of the Trade Show were starting to hit big in Pasadena, and this was about 1987. 86 to 87, and we're going to all these trade shows. This is where Badger uh, had their booth there, and I didn't know who Badger was. I didn't know who – I knew who Pache was. I knew all of this stuff, but Badger had a – in this event there in Pasadena, had um, a T-shirt. This was new to me because now there's a double out there in front. Uh, I'm, I'm out, and as I'm doing my little hot rod of the T-shirt in front – them and little did i know the owner of badger was there uh they're going oh my god who are you what are you doing how do you do that wondering wow look at this guy he's doing these hot rods and he's just drawing them and putting them on these these shirts and that's how it began with a little relationship with badger before you know it i'm flown to chicago to design an airbrush for them the uh for for apparel which was called a crescendo um so here's a guy that designed you know started with nothing and I'm just building a little portfolio and it's just going and now I'm designing an airbrush with Badger and now they're paying me royalties and they're literally flying me all over the United States to all these art shows and these conventions and they're even putting my name in some of the rosters that I'm there you know come see Art Alvarez so this is how people are now starting to get to know me now I'm getting to know guys from Florida there now they've heard of me and now the magazines are coming out my artwork is coming out. Um, I'm now in Truckin' Magazine. There's a spread there with uh, the um, four airbrushers. I think we had uh, Kawaguchi. We had um, Gemini. Uh, and we were all the big airbrushers back in that day of doing apparel, car shows, and murals on cars. So they had a big spread on Truckin' Magazine. So things are starting to really hit. But like everybody else, we as artists, Things happened to our life, and uh, I got a divorce in 1990, and uh, boy, it just it just hit me hard. I mean, all this was going on, and I get a divorce, you know, like, and it was terrible. Absolutely drug me through the coals. You know, like everything else, when a door closes, a window opens kind of deal, and somebody said there was a big art show, an airbrush show in Anaheim, uh, Coast Airbrush. They said that there's going to be a lot of people there. You can get a booth. Let's see what you have. And in fact, the Disneyland people are going to be there because they need some help with some backgrounds for Beauty the Beast. So 
this was my end. You know, I don't know if I'm going to get it, but uh, let's give it a try. So I got a booth out there. I just so happened to be uh, doing a portrait of Jackie Gleason at the time. There was all these cameras on me. Uh, there was, you know, some media that was there. People, I have a big crowd looking. And I was one of the first ones back in the day when I did my portraits. They looked like photographs. I just, I just had a knack to do portraits, and I loved doing them. Uh, I loved doing my hot rods as well, but portraits were really a big thing that, were, that was starting to happen. And I was one of those guys in the forefront doing this type of work that people couldn't realize what detail I was putting into these shirts. So it just so happens that Disney's people were there walking by. And they're looking at me doing the shirt of Jackie Gleason. They have, I have this huge crowd around me. I got cameras on me and they're going, well, who's this guy? Again, my life, like everything else, is like a Forrest Gump movie because it, it's always that way. And it, it is with a lot of guys, but a lot of optimism, of course. But these little Forrest Gump moments where you're just there at the right time, at the right place. And it's sure enough, when the show is just about over, I get confronted by them and they ask if I could come in to the back lot of Disneyland. They have a project that they're working on, and they'd like to know if I'd uh, want to partake in it. <laughs> of course, I'm in. Are you kidding me? I'd, I'd more than be happy to see what they want. So I go back there, and it's uh, these little marquettes. What happens is that the, what Disneyland does, they build these little scenes that is on downtown, uh, actually on Main Street at Disneyland. And it, they kind of feature the, whatever the feature film is. And at that time, it was Beauty and the Beast. And they do these little scenes, maybe about six windows. And um, so I'm in charge of doing uh, some of the backgrounds, some of the airbrush backgrounds. What I was told is that there's going to be a chance that two of us out of the four are going to be hired to go full time. And um, an older gentleman came up to me that I made friends with. He says, man, you need to learn how to paintbrush. And I go, well, I can paintbrush. But no, he says, you need to learn to do it the way we do it here. So this guy named uh, John Denton takes me to his house and he shows me how to load a brush right with acrylic, how to blend, how to mix, how to just about do everything with a paintbrush. So about a month before this little gig was over, I'm now painting the maquettes and I'm doing all types of work with the uh, the little things that need to be painted with a brush, not only the airbrush, but the brush. Uh, lo and behold, I do get the job with Disneyland, and now I'm working at Disneyland, which is awesome because I have this divorce going on, and I don't have to think. You know, as an artist and as we paint and we design, sometimes it's hard when we got a lot of things in our head to really design, to do the things that we want. Well, with this divorce, it was really impaling my my thinking, my thought, and knowing that my kids are not with me anymore and I have to fight for them and I got to do this and I got to do that. So getting hired with Disney was, it was heaven sent because now I can work. I don't have to really stress out any and much. Uh, the job was easy. It was fun. I can go on all these rides. I rehabbed the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I was rehabbing all these rides that I only wished I could have been behind the scenes and now I'm behind the scenes on them. I mean, what artists wouldn't just die to, to go paint there, you know, and do the murals and do all these paintings. So this was Seventh Heaven, and, you know, it just goes on and on. While I'm working there at Disney, uh, the guys at the store, at the uh, airbrush store, say, hey, we know a guy that does Disney 
uh, artwork and he does posters. And he says the, he's looking for an apprentice. There's no money in it, but uh, maybe you can learn how to do the things you've always wanted to do. And I said, I'm in. Let's do this. So I get introduced to a guy named Eddie Young. He's been doing, you know, video covers, uh, VHS covers, posters, layouts, children's books. He does it all. And now I'm in his studio and he's teaching me how to do these types of work with, and this is old school. This is with uh, mats. You know, you got to cut your, your mat, you got to airbrush, you got to line, you got to do all these particulars. I took on that like fish to water. I mean, this was right up my alley. And so much so that I got in about two or three months, I got to be better than him uh, in a sense that when he was doing his line work, he was using this uh, weird little brush to do the, the lines to the outside of the characters, and they really wasn't up to par to me. So I used a dagger, a longer dagger, and he said, no, no, that, that's going to be so hard. But it, to me, it was second nature to use a dagger to do all the line work, to go from thin to thick to thin. And that's the way, uh, you know, I kind of taught him how to do the line work. Before you know it, he's got a friend, and that's Willie Ito, one of the main art directors at Disney, to get an interview with. And that's all I needed was a foot through the door. Because while I'm working with Eddie, I'm building my own portfolio. I'm taking this home. So I'm doing three jobs. I'm working at Disneyland. I'm moonlighting with this uh, Eddie Young and doing the artwork there. And then I'm building my own portfolio. Like well, I gotta, else. I gotta, inter I gotta interrupt. When, when did you find time to eat and sleep? <laughs> no, no, that, like anything else, and you guys know this. When you're committed to something, when you really want to do something, when you, when you know in your bones of bones, this is what you have to do. You do it. You find it. You know, I was probably getting in three to four hours sleep. But that's about it. Yeah, and if you yeah. accidentally ingest some Van Dyke Brown. Are yeah. you doing this? You can go for like an extra week. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. But you know, uh, excitement is what gets you going. You know, you wanna, you wanna achieve what you're looking at. You see the tunnel, you see the light over there, so you want to achieve it. And this is what it was. It was just absolute uh, inertia. Absolute. I want to do this, and and everybody knows, and you guys know it too. You are where you are because. You do that extra bit that no one thinks you, you're supposed to do, but you do it anyway. So that's what I was doing, through the three, the three things. So I now have a portfolio. Oh, and by the way, before I was, while I was building my portfolio so that I worked at Disneyland, Pocahontas was coming out, and no one had the artwork of Pocahontas. No one had the artwork, but Disneyland did because they get it ahead of time so they can start setting up the park with Pocahontas stuff. So we were getting all the guide, guides to Pocahontas. So I'm taking some of that stuff, I'm redoing it, I'm taking copies of it, I'm taking it home, and I'm redoing artwork with Pocahontas in it because that's the feature film. So when I went into my interview, they were astounded that I had Pocahontas work because see, no one has it, not even the other illustrators, the freelancers, they don't have it yet. <laughs> because they can't get it yet. They don't, they don't know how to get it. It's, it's nowhere to be sought after. But if you worked at Disneyland, you had privy to this type of artwork. So here I am doing the, all this artwork. So when he saw it, he was like, oh, my God, I need to call. But anyway, this interview with this director was only supposed to last half an hour. And uh, Eddie told me, 
this is how it goes. You won't get called in yet. It'll take about a week or two, but believe me, you'll get called. You've got great work. Don't worry about it. But, you know, don't expect anything out of this. Um, you know, just show them the portfolio. <laughs> well, I was in there for about five hours with this guy <laughs> while he's calling other art directors up and sending me to different places, showing my portfolio to different art directors. I mean, it was you couldn't script this. This was unfreaking believable for a first time guy hitting the bricks, talking to one of the main art directors there and going just full on and getting more jobs as as it went on. So needless to say, about two, three weeks later, I get the gig for Pocahontas. And now and that's where my life turned for, you know, of course, the better. I was still working at Disneyland. I didn't quit there until I got the job with Pocahontas. And once I got that, then I quit uh, Disneyland. And that was it. Dude, I mean, again, a script. Um, you couldn't write it because here I am working on feature film product. And I am the guy doing video covers. I'm the guy doing posters. I'm the guy doing key artwork. I'm the guy doing all this type of work. And I just, this was my first gig. And even Eddie Young that has been doing this for years and years and years only wish he could do something like this. But again, here's that Forrest Gump moment where right place, right time, right artwork, right portfolio gets me right into those doors. I mean, I was I think I worked for about three months straight, uh, got a little bit of sleep, and made about $65,000 in about three months. Ooh. And and I still have a check of $25,000, one of the many checks that I got uh, that was just put in my bank with my name on it and uh, from the Disney Studios, from uh, Buena Vista Home Video. And uh, that was it. I started doing children's books. I started doing, from all these other art directors, I'm... I'm just in the Disney moment and doing all this artwork. The problem was two to three years later, the digital art started coming in. And little by little, that started fading away. The old style, you know, bill, you know, illustration board type of work start going out of fashion. And sure enough, little by little, I'm getting these calls. Can you can you make this digital? And I'm like, no, I, I don't do digital. And of course, <laughs> Other colleagues now that I'm learning and knowing and making friends with, there's like saying, Art, you got to get into digital. And I just couldn't make the cross. You know, I, I knew nothing about this digital stuff. And um, so that was my downfall is I got into it late, got into it kind of really late, because as soon as I couldn't do any more illustrations, it took me about a year to literally do and you all, we all know about Photoshop starting in it. I mean, it was, it was daunting. It was something that I just thought I would never, you know, take on. And we don't. I think all of us, um, if we're, you know, up to the task, we only probably know 45% of Photoshop, 35%. I mean, there's so much to learn on Photoshop. <laughs> but for what we need, we only learn what we need to learn with Photoshop. So I did enough to do exactly what I did in my illustration to do in in Photoshop. And it took me about a year to understand paths and, uh, you know, linear lines with different layers and color and all this stuff. But it was easy. It made things uh, a lot easier, and I wish I would have attacked it a little bit, you know, earlier. But that's us. That's, that's what we do. So that's where we go from there. That's why I'm kind of different from the other automotive illustrators. I kind of came in and out. I was brave enough to do both 
but then as I learned the digital, I learned that, wait a minute, how would my cars look in digital? Now I know all this Disney work, all this backlighting, all this highlighting, all this stuff. Let's give that a try. So I started to learn how to do all these renderings through Photoshop a little bit better, a little bit better. I learned about grayscaling everything and then throwing color on top of it with an overlay and color and uh, so that I can make that car any color I wanted. I mean, it was just, again, a, a learning curve. And um, when I was learning this, of course, YouTube wasn't there. You didn't get the how to do this or how to do that. You kind of trial and error. And I had friends that also did the digital work and um, it just kind of spun off to there. Before you know it, I'm working at the Disney store now and uh, I got hired there. And now I'm doing digital Disney artwork, which Again, Forrest Gump happened to be there at the right place at the right time. <laughs> now, here's a guy that you guys need to talk with is that um, uh, Ruben Hante. And Ruben Hante and I are about the same uh, kind of – anybody here know Ruben Hante? I, know, I, know I remember when he was doing stuff, yeah. Yeah, he did – him and I became friends years ago when he was doing the Elvira bug. And uh, um, his famous car he was on Hot Rod magazine, and it was the bug in front with the mural Elvira. The thing was awesome, absolutely awesome. And he did some awesome murals. He did some awesome artwork, and we did some projects together. He's the one that kind of turned me on to a lot of this uh, other artwork that I got to know. And uh, this is that disconnect, you know, going from cars to Disney to cars. Long story short, and um, – is that I'm producing a book. I'm I'm kind of done. I'm but you, I'm not gone yet. I will still be doing illustrations of cars, and you've seen the digital work that I do. But um, I'm getting into oil painting, and that's um, something that I've always wanted to do. And it's another level of artwork that uh, I've kind of went into this like fish to water. Well, I was going to say that's that that's how, you, you make me sick, Art. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything you, know, you touch man uh, you you just you have a natural knack for and god for every bit that i respect you uh, <laughs> i love your work it for me it, it's it's like an iceberg there's an amount below where i despise you so much for... <laughs> well here's the the grand opus behind this painting is that you are going to you will hear from me in about three years, three to four years, because I will be putting some paintings and I know what I'm going to do. And they're going to be going into the museum at the Peterson Auto Museum. And that's why I'm learning a little bit more. And I really love, it's funny that your first episode was Tom Fritz, because that guy I'm telling you is one awesome, awesome artist. And he too is a guy that I look up to. I get inspired when I go to his booth. He's the nicest guy. Um, oh, yeah. And it, it's just his artwork is so tremendous. It's out of this world um, as an automotive illustrator, and there's many others as well. But I really love his artwork. So getting back to finishing what I'm doing here, I'm, I'm publishing a book. It's called Car and Tunes. And from afar, it looks like cartoons, but uh, the car is for the automotive illustration, and the tunes is for the uh, licensed characters. So it's a coffee table book. It's my life story in this book. Uh, so what you kind of heard here, you'll kind of read through the book and a little bit more. Um, but you'll see all the eye candy from the beginning of my airbrushing days. I still have a lot of uh, 
film and uh, uh, what do they call uh, uh, just old pictures from back in the day. And uh, so we'll put that together, put together my Disney work, put together my digital work. Uh, I also ran a um, Big and Rigged, which was a trucking company uh, doing hot rigs uh, and selling them to the truckers, which was a great little gig. Um, so everything will be in there um, until this here. And what I want to mention here, and I'm going to plug myself a little bit, I am going to do 240 airbrush shirts. And this is to help me publish the book that I'm doing. These 240 shirts are going to range from about $300 to $400. And um, they come with a letter of authenticity, authenticity from me because there's not many airbrushers out there anymore. You go to, I go to these car shows. When I went, we were fighting for the areas. There were four uh, airbrushers and uh, three to four at a car show. Now you rarely see any airbrusher. You might see the giant out there. But you don't see, but he's going to be gone. But you don't see any young guys doing the airbrush, which um, I want to go to somewhere that they have the meetings for these shows and try to put my five cents in and say, wait a minute, you guys, you need to hire airbrush artists and you need not charge them for their booth. They're basically the balloon artists at a birthday party. You're having a birthday party. And you need to hire a balloon artist, that being the airbrusher, because he is, how would you say, making balloons for your hot rod guys that are there. In other words, they're painting a shirt for you. And that's why the dime, because if you're paying $700 for a booth and you got to airbrush shirts to pay that $700 and then airbrush more shirts to make a profit, there's nobody is going to airbrush shirts anymore. I mean, even back in my day, I got a deal at 250 to $300, but still you got to paint 350 to that price and then make your profit after that. And you got to work your ass off for that. You should but try now the... doing it with a booth where you, all you do is you talk on a podcast <laughs> like we do. <laughs> we, we're trying to break it down. How many words per minute we had to speak to make profit. <laughs> Well, you, you kind of get it, and that's that's something that I I, I want to put forward to where I think there will be a more call for airbrushes to go to these car shows if they had an in. In other words, maybe uh, not a free booth, but whatever percentage you make. So if you don't make anything, you don't pay anything. But if you make, you know, a grand, you make two grand, you pay a per, certain percentage to the you know the whoever's putting on the car show. I think that that works for everybody. What if you know? Even what if you worked at a co-op? You get a couple artists working together in a booth, and maybe you know they create a piece throughout the weekend that gets raffled off for charity, or proceeds go back into something for the show. There's that can ways to do this. There is a way to do that, but as you know, as an airbrush artist, you're trying to do. A, you have a style, and that's why we always had two or three different airbrushes at different places because each one had a style where they, they look very cartoony, where they look maybe a little more realistic. To do an airbrush shirt, you have to do it within 25, 30 minutes, I mean, to make money. you got to blow it out, and it can't be absolutely perfect, but it's got to be look cool, and it, of course, it's got to have the guy's name on it. And sometimes it's hard working with two or three. Now, when you're doing sunsets and, you know, particular items that you pick off the uh, board, well, that's fine. But art, when you're doing cars, each hot rod or, um, owner, a hot rod owner, 
um, are really particular about their car and how you do it and how you paint it and how you put it together. It, it's something even when I and everybody knows and you know as well, even when you do silkscreen T-shirts, it's kind of hard when you're doing a Chevy or a Ford or a Dodge. But if you did it so hot that it doesn't matter. In other words, I'm a Chevy guy. But if I see, I remember back in the day with Greg Tedder, and we were really good friends, uh, Greg Tedder and I, when he did his uh, Ford uh, Coupes, uh, 32s and 33s, I had to have them. I mean, I'm a Chevy guy, but they were so cool. They're Fords, but I'll take that as well. So the same kind of goes with the, uh, the airbrushing. If it looks cool, it's going to sell. And, um, you know, we kind of go from there. But um, I just got back from China. And uh, there's some work to be there. And again, I've been blessed. Um, another Forrest Gump moment. Uh, I've had the chance to meet one of the greatest, most greatest artists in the world today. His name is Chow Yang. And um, he's the modern day Rembrandt, the modern day um, Monet. And if you were to meet Monet today, you would meet Chow Yang. Um, he is, he's gotten more awards than any artist out there. He's got his accolades beyond anybody else. He's got pictures and signatures from the president, uh, from the um, New York Fire Department, New York Police Department, because he uh, created a painting uh, in tribute to the 9-11. And um, I stumbled to him with him accidentally. Since then, we became friends. And um, this is the kind of road I'm taking. And going to China was his invitation there. And before you know it, there's people there now in China that want my artwork. And that led to another big gig, and we're getting ready to go to Africa, and I'm going to be doing some paintings there at a museum in Africa in Nairobi. So my um, level of artwork now has gotten to another level there with the painting and structure. So that's where we're at. That's, that's where I'm at with, the, with the, um, my painting career and and uh, what have you. And it's, it's been weird because a lot of people know me from the past. I, of course, with Facebook, people have reconnected. Um, they're seeing what I'm doing. They remember me from way back when. Um, and then I've gotten a little name with the uh, digital work that's out there. But Brian, man, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, you, um, I love your work. And it's funny how we all bounce off each other. Um, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> And the, <laughs> and the same. I'm glad I'm sitting down. <laughs> and same with Brad. I mean, Brad, you have that style with the pinstriping and lettering that, you know, it's just, um, it, it construes everything that you are and what you do. Um, my first into this pinstriping gig was meeting a guy by the name of Steve Stanford. And this goes way, way back. And boy, I mean, to, to know what, because I used to see, Big Daddy Yard Roth pinstripe. And he was okay for his time and his era. But it's funny how you guys like yourself and guys like Steve Stanford that just took it to the next level. Just unbelievable. Just take it to the next level. That's something I couldn't do. I mean, uh, I tried, but, you know, even my lettering was so-so. Was but, boy, you guys really can take it to that next level. It's unbelievable. Where is it? So, Brian, where, where did you get off on this? Where – when did you start doing this? Oh, God. Well, I was, I was going to kind of talk to you about this. What was weird for me, I wanted to ask you, you went from, okay, the airbrushing, then you went to, you know, doing the commercial art, then to digital, and then you went into oil painting. I 
actually started in oil painting and went to digital. Oh. So <laughs> it's it, it's it's really weird. So I, I, my my brain is like right now it's percolating on this whole you know how do we compare and contrast this because my my digital art which is mostly Illustrator and it's funny because when I first started to learn the digital side you know I I was like you I was doing really analog traditional stuff the digital right. started to come in and I took about a year and just said okay I've got to learn at mm -hmm. the very least Adobe Creative Suite right as it's known now and I remember going I will never ever ever use Illustrator I hate that program it sucks it's too <laughs> complex <laughs> I still say that <laughs> and, and it's it's all I use now and yeah. it's funny because I get people write to me like well you're a master you know this I'm thinking yeah I know what I do yeah but then there's people out there who know a whole lot more I mean I pretty much caveman my way through it you know yeah. if you broke my art down it's just it's an outgrowth of oil painting everything starts with you know you do your underpainting sure you know so for me that's that's a sketch on paper scan that in and then I start to I do it kind of like traditional cell animation you know, I start to block out the basic colors, get everything kind of laid out on the uppers, and then start to build from underneath like an oil painting. And for me, it's just kind of a natural outgrowth. Yeah. You know, if I go back, hell, 15, 16 years when I first touched Illustrator, man, I, I love it now. I, I'd love to meet me back then and go, dude, what are you thinking? You're going to love yeah. this program. It's the greatest thing ever. No, but you have a good sense of your highlights, your back shadows, your backlighting um, your backgrounds everything fits and it does now that you're mentioning that it it fits as a painter I mean it, it's remarkable work you know it's funny um, how we all bounce off and we get to know these other artists that are out there but uh, Photoshop it just seems more of a, an art tool for me because of the airbrushing the paths the softness and um, there's a for me there's a Bit more control and how I can do these. Once I'd start learning layers and uh, the path lines in there, that that's all it took. Because um, it did take a while to understand what I needed to do with cars. But uh, man, yours are right on. They're very stealth. They're clean, and uh, it's fun that uh, when we know these people back and forth, we kind of bounce ideas off each other. Uh, I kind of see your site without you doing it, like, oh yeah, that looks cool. <laughs> Let me grab this and that from there as well. <laughs> so, uh, we, I'm on. Yeah, it. we all <laughs> we all learn. Um, but like I said, I'm coming back with oil paintings, and in about three years, I'm going to do some automotive oil paintings, but in a different light. And I think you'll be blown away um, at what I'm going to do. And I have a whole series that I'm putting together. Um, but I want to get my oil paintings down to a just exactly perfect the way I want it and then I'm going to do this series and the series is almost like uh, back to Big Daddy Ed Roth and my problem with the people that do Big Daddy Ed Roth is that it's all copied I mean it's been done over and over and over again but the oh, direction yeah. <laughs> that I'm going but the direction that I'm going with the Big Daddy Ed Roth is not Big Daddy Ed Roth it's my style my way with the newer cars think of the newer cars as gassers, think of the newer cars as the same ones with the guy with the arm sticking out, shifting gears, whether it be it a brand new uh, Challenger, a brand new Camaro, a brand new car, but now bring that into focus and, and, and bring something new but old with, with the fire coming out of the exhaust and the tires just burning up. 
but in a more realistic, more fantasy, more powerful opus look that you go, oh my God. So I'm just going to leave it at that, um, that that's what I'm dreaming of. That's what I'm putting together. Um, but I love landscape. It's funny that I'm going from <laughs> hot rod <laughs> illustrating to, to landscape, but I just love the natural ability of landscape. And uh, it's just something that uh, I've always dreamed of doing. Uh, sad note, uh, my parents passed away. Uh, my mom just passed away in November of last year, 18. And then three months later, February 2nd, my dad passes away. Um, so I've been out of the loop for a while in more ways than one, but I'm coming back again, and um, hopefully we'll do another podcast next year of some sort, and we'll um, kind of catch up where I'm going and what I'm doing. Very much so, yeah, and I, I wanted to extend my, my sympathies. You know, I didn't want to bring that up on the show, but, uh, man, it's, that's yeah, it's hard to go through. And, man. Well, it's hard for – yeah, no, it's hard for us, for artists, because we think we're, we wear our – you know, our minds on our shoulders in a way, let's say, and to think about the next move, the next paint, the next color, the next design. And it's so hard when that happens and it's reality. It, 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 it happens to us. Um, you know, and I kind of went in a little depression, not much, but, but you know that they're up there and they're out there looking at you and they're, I wish, you know, they would have seen my second half, but you know, they're there. Uh, but now it's time to move on and, and do the things that, um, you know, I, I'm meant to do. So uh, life is exciting again, and well, we're back on board. And I, I'm really honored to be on this podcast uh, now that I know what you guys are doing and the people that have been in front of me. I'm just elated that I'm here talking to you guys. Oh, we're elated to yeah. have you, man. And yeah, I, for sure. You know, it, that was kind of one of the, the subjects you had mentioned earlier. You had talked about uh, your divorce. And when I went through mine, it was kind of a similar thing. And like, like you just mentioned with, you know, as artists, we think a lot. And I yeah. think a lot of it has to do with, yeah, you're really focused on the right side of the brain is doing the creative work. Sure. But that really leaves that nagging left side to do yeah. nothing but yep. chatter the entire time. Sure. And, and it's funny. I mean, like you'd mentioned, when you got involved with your work with Disney, you found an outlet where you could kind of shut your brain off. Sure. Kind of do your thing. And for me, uh, a lot of that was, well, hooking up with these guys, doing the podcast stuff, um, mm -hmm. taking on work that was a little outside the regular car stuff and just kind of throwing myself into it. And I realized between that and just, you know, focusing on the kid, my brain, yeah. I found a nice balance between right and left brain. I mean, don't Good. get me wrong. Every now and then I want to take the left brain and kick its teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's how we are. I mean, that, we're built that way. It's just, it's inherent to us. Um, it's funny you would explain that because that goes with the artist that is really an artist that really thinks because there's a lot of thought. People don't understand. They think our life is so, you know, having a cake and eating too, which is, it's there. Uh, sometimes, but yeah. Sometimes everybody you, sometimes here you can afford circle, the cake. No, that's right. But that's the whole thing. And like anything else in life, it doesn't just come to you. It just doesn't um, uh, appear. It takes tenacity. It takes work. It takes um, literally uh, times that you're going to get shot down a couple times. I mean, uh, I can't tell you how many times back in the day, um, you know, getting shot down. But you just scrub it off and you just keep going. You just keep going. And, 
you try to get out of the norm. You, you do your style, your way. And if it wasn't for some of those chances that we take, I don't think I'd be here. I, I, I'd be doing something else. But the other thing, of course, now with the new wife that I have, um, and that's another thing is having a spouse that really uh, we're like realtors. There's feast and famine in our type of job. We can be just cranking out and doing great work. And the following months is like, where is everybody at? Why isn't anybody calling along? You know, and you got to have that spouse that picks you up and continues on and uh, adds to that um, that deal and keeps you in there and saying, hey, dude, you need to get a job. Well, <laughs> you know? well now here's the funny part about those lulls, though. <laughs> my my problem has always been I'm a workaholic. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah, my name is Brian. I'm a workaholic. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Hi, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, I bet you didn't know that about me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what's weird for me is as I get older, I'm starting to realize now that there was a lot of lost opportunity when there was that downtime. For me, I was always, I was always just, it's because I think I was brought up to really appreciate everything you have in that moment because, you know, it could be oh gone my next. God. Yeah. So, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. You said it all in that word right there. Lost time. Yeah, you you don't you don't stop to think. Okay, hey, I it's a blessing when there's the down times, and yeah. I didn't realize that until well this week. <laughs> right now, and, you know, great moment of enlightenment. It's and, and no, right. I'm not sitting on the toilet, so this is great. Um, great, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, it's weird that you don't you kind of look at it differently later in life. Where I think now, if I could go back in time and talk to me, I'd say, look, dude, there's going to be down times. Right. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of all the work. It's going to come back in. And when it comes in, you're going to be overwhelmed by it again. Take this time here. Do something totally different. And wow. I think my fear was I didn't want to do that at the time because I thought either, A, I'd give up on what I was doing. Because, right. you know, you figure, okay, the work's gone, blah, blah, blah. I, I really should have pursued things. And as I'd slowly make time for that every now and then, I'd kind of dabble into it. You, know, you find the pet projects you love. And for me, it was astrophysics. I fell in love with wow. that. And that's wow. my, oh, yeah, that's my game. I, I bore Brad to death sometimes. I call it <laughs> nerd. Nerd. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I feel bad. Astrophysics. Wow. Well, he's not telling the whole story. It's the, He wants to know the physics of making an astrovan fast. That's yeah, that's that what it is. Oh. Oh, that's that's oh, what he's talking. He's trying to make it sound like he's, it's more than what it really is. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> this is my life. I mean, uh, I it's well enjoyed. Um, I kind of I'm working on my last client right now, doing a children's book for a client, and that's the last book that I'm doing. I I wasn't going to do this, but it was a great storyline behind it. And as we get older. And we've had our kids. Um, we understand um, what things are and need to be done. And as she explained this to me, I go, my God, it's such a positive book. And kids need something positive. And uh, she had a great storyline, some great characters in it. And uh, she talked me into it. So I said, okay, this, this definitely is going to be the last book I do. So uh, I'm just about done with that. It takes about another month. Uh, and then I'm out. And then I've got my wings to spread and start oil painting. And, uh, and then a lot of media is going to go behind that too. I got to get into the realm of, you know, being in that type of work of oil painting and 
uh, creating and just booking myself. Uh, the, there's a uh, art show in Palm Springs that's become one of the biggest uh, art shows in the nation. Um, and that's uh, the goal next year is to get into that. And my main goal within three years is to be in the uh, Gene Autry Museum uh, where they have the Southwestern artists, their masters um, paint. So um, I'm setting my goal there to be there in three years. So let's see if that happens. Awesome. So that's a great goal. Yeah. Now, yeah. how are you stretching your own canvases? I am going to be. I'm literally. We got a four-bedroom house here, and I have a production room that we're going to do all the photography in there, create all the um, the stretched canvases. Uh, working not with canvas, but with linens, which are a little bit more expensive. But from what I hear, uh, the paint is a lot smoother. It goes on a lot better. Plus, it's more um, historical type of um, canvas that uh, is needed for you know years and years and years, as opposed to just canvas. Uh, but all my preliminary work was on canvas, and I will continue to do that until I'm really ready to go more of the master work. But, you know, like anything else, I'm, I'm learning as I go along, and uh, thank God for YouTubes. And uh, I have several people that I, that I go on to and just get ideas, and I, it's, it's great. You don't have to go to these schools or uh, get it taught by somebody. They literally let you know how it's done, like anything else, even with Photoshop now. You go on YouTube, you tell them you want this, this, and this, or type it in, and you've got it. It's amazing what, how much we've got in front of us that we can uh, just go to YouTube or go to these uh, certain type of formats, and uh, we can learn just about anything. You can learn how to freaking um, rebuild a you know, 350 if you wanted to. You know, it's, it's, it's all there, piece by piece, yeah, part by part. Um, so thank God for that, I guess. Well, if you ever want to really warp your brain, if you haven't read this book, Pick up a copy. They're, they're fun <laughs> to find. Uh, Salvador Dali had written oh, a yeah. book, uh, 50 Secrets of Magic Craftsmanship. Secrets. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pure Salvador Dali, typical. Yeah, but it's so great when you get into like things like prepping your, you know, your surface for work, the yeah. things that you do. And it's like 900 steps. You know, It's like go out and, and find the sea urchin and refine yeah. it and put its oil <laughs> on your fingertips. It's so bizarre. <laughs> wow. Well, that's well, Salvador. Yeah, and it's it's well <laughs> worth reading. And uh, yeah, you know, I I did want to ask you though, what we got here. You have quite the impressive collection of airbrushes. Ah, yes. I ratted you out, man. Wow. <laughs> oh, this oh, is have... this is this is knowledge in the art world, kids. Yeah, this is. I got about over a thousand. Uh, wow. They're all they're all antiques. Um, and they're kind of paying homage to something that I'm going to be developing in the future. Um, I would like to create an airbrush type and illustrative museum. And I now know so many people out there that have the old school illustrations on illustration board and they're not known, they're not out, but they have them in a closet. They have them somewhere back in their deep crevices. And uh, my goal is to someday, uh, create a museum with the airbrushes and pay homage to uh, these great illustrators that were from back in the day and even up to the these later years of the 90s that just did phenomenal. There's Charles and White. There's uh, um, just on and on. Jeff Lefevre and just so many airbrushers that did commercial art that were phenomenal back in the day. Kelly Mouse. Uh, there's just so many. And they have illustrations that are in closets. 
So I want to get those uh, originals out and make a museum and have all these airbrushes. And the, I'm not the only one. There's another uh, person by the name of uh, Gerald Mendez that also probably even has more than I do. And uh, he has more of the European collection, and they're just phenomenal. They're just It's like a jewelry display case to have all these airbrushes. They're, they're pretty nice. I'll have to snap uh, a shot and kind of send you some stuff that I got here just in the studio and display. And, and I wonder, too, if you're going to create a museum like that, the trick has got to be the timeliness of it because so much of that work was created on media that is degrading as it sits there. Right. You, know, you get stuff that's literally rotting away in a drawer. And... No, you're absolutely right. It all depends on how that artwork, if it's one in, in a drawer covered, uh, there are certain ways you can show it off, but in this museum, um, you have to have UV lighting. You have to have dark areas. The light that's on it has to be UV protected. I mean, yeah, because within, if you have too much light on it in 50 years, you know, you're going to definitely see the fading in, in, a, in a picture like that. So a lot of work has to be done to preserve them and to, when you do have people viewing them, that there's a certain line that kicks on that shows it, and you only see it for X amount of time, and then it, it got to go off. Uh, to preserve it for you know a, a duration of time, so yeah, it is hard as far as lighting is concerned because that's the difference between the oil and the acrylic, and um, that's why it was never a fine art uh, gesture back in the day. You can never find a gallery with airbrush in it because uh, of course uh, the oils are going to last a whole lot longer than the acrylic work. But now they've got paints that uh, can last the years that are museum uh, accredited, museum approved, that, that, that will last the, test, last the test of time, uh, just like the oils. So, you know, we've come a long way with that. Oh, yeah, and I think it would be funny to see, you know, a museum of airbrushed mini truck hoods where <laughs> a bunch yeah. of these for the picnic club back shot out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, How come it's all yeah. different areas of white with some different kind of black pinstriping? Oh, no, uh, one time, man, it was yeah. 36 shades of purple. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, we laugh about it, but who knows? That might, you know, that might be a thing where it's collective. It's, uh, you know, vintage. It's uh, it's artwork. And, uh, you know, I would not surpass, you know, sides of a van cut out just so that the wall, that mural that was on it is on a wall somewhere. Uh, <laughs> because, yeah, it, it, it too is a piece of artwork that, uh, you know, uh, people just... Uh, want to look at it's eye candy that's the whole thing it's eye candy yeah. and uh, if we can stimulate other people's brains with what we paint and what we design that's that's it we're in you walk into a museum one day and you see the side of a chevy van with the molly hatchet album cover on the side of it yes <laughs> dude you're reading my mind exactly <laughs> i would love to do a museum display of really bad frazetta i mean oh, like just Oh, really they were bad everywhere. Boris or Frazetta oh. jobs? <laughs> oh, I've seen my oh. share. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Especially at car shows. I can't believe it. This is funny. Uh, there's another thing that we can go into. It's sort of like uh, American Idol. You know, these, these people that think they can sing, and you hear them sing, and they think, boy, they're the best. And like, how in the heck did they get there? You know, and it's the same thing with these murals. How in the heck did that guy pay to get a Frazetta painting on a motorcycle and it looks like crap my god uh, <laughs> and it's always the, the local guy and nothing against uh, i mean everybody starts yeah. somewhere 
but yeah. you always hear the story where you're looking at it oh, and you're yeah. cringing and they go, Oh man, th this, this is by zap. Zap's yeah. our yeah. local dude, yeah. man. Yeah. And he's the best in the tri-state yeah. area. And you're going, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my God. Holy crap. <laughs> is that a woman or a cat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what makes it is a clear. You know, once you put clear on it, it's great. You know, yeah. <laughs> it brings everything out. Clear. Brings everything out exactly. Oh, oh wonderful. You know? <laughs> oh, I gotta remember yes. that one. That's great. Uh, that's but uh, no, it. But that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So, um, uh, you know, collecting airbrushes, getting into oil painting, and. Uh, you know, it's 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 been a long road. It's funny when I go to SEMA, you guys will be at SEMA, and uh, it's the people that you meet there and how I keep connected, more or less. Um, but I think I took a good, you know, I made a good move. I'm I'm happy at that move. Um, I'm glad at what I did. But I too would have been the guy at SEMA doing the hot rods, doing probably were um, um, Fritz's and doing that type of painting as well. But the Disney work, I don't regret it. I love it. I learned a lot. And that was the best thing about it. Uh, one little story, I didn't work for uh, Imagineering. I went in there for about three months. I got hired there. But I just could not handle it in a sense that it's so, so demanding. There, Everybody in there is educated. Everybody in there has a master's in art of some sort. They're nerds. They're, they're incredibly qualified for that type of job. And as you see all these cubicles, as far as you can see, you can almost see the vapor of the ego that's going on in there because <laughs> I couldn't I, – I, I was working on a project, and I was asking this guy that was just a cube over you know, about some things and some steps that I needed to take. And, man, he made it sound like don't ever come into my booth again and ask me this. I, you know, I don't have time for you. Um, and that kind of you know, woke you know, – opened my eyes up and uh, – to know the certain classification of artwork and I just wasn't having fun in there to where other places that I worked when I worked at the Disney store. Now that was awesome because I didn't really know much about the digital work that I thought I knew until I started asking questions. And those guys, yeah, they, they would literally say, well, you got to do this, this, and this to it. And don't forget this overlay or uh, something to do with buttons. I didn't even know were on Photoshop. And then I would do what they told me how to do it. And then I would add my own. When I got home, I'd add my own little split to it. And before you know it, following week is, how did you do that? Well, remember what you told me to do this, this, and this. Well, I just added that, that, and that, you know. And that's how that's how the world moves. It's funny. Um, we are where we are because of Brian like you, because of Brad like you. Alex, I don't know if you paint or. No, I build uh, airplanes. There you go. You build airplanes. But the people around us whether we see it or they see it from us, it's a growing, uh, we wouldn't be where we at, the artwork wouldn't be where it's at if we didn't all glance at other pieces of artwork and get a little snippet here, a little bit of snippet there. They in turn do some to it, and then we see it, and then, oh, boy, let's do this to it. And that's where we're at today. I mean, look at the artwork. I mean, this is a good time. This is a great age to see artwork and the colors that are coming out, the the design work, everything that's involved with uh, what we're doing today, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to see the artwork, and I'm, I'm really looking for the future and what's going on there as well. 
Yeah, and to dovetail on that, with social media now, you can see it yep. instantly. And exactly. so there's some great stuff out there from mm. people you've mm. never heard of that you'd never, mm. ever know of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, phenomenal. Well, even better, that sense of community that builds off of that. Everybody's yeah. really cool. For the most part, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a few guys who are standoffish and yeah. chalk that up to social awkwardness or just, you know, a, a part of the personality, whatever. But, you know, like you had mentioned, working in a place where the ego vapor was there, I, yeah. I, I worked at a job for quite a while where, uh, and I used to refer to that ego vapor, for me it was egoplasm, and you'd walk <laughs> around and just kind of slide on it across the floor because yeah. it, it would just spill out of these guys' offices. For me, again, being just a bullheaded Pollock, it, I kind of grew up in this world where you, you learn really quick to just figure out how to do stuff on your own. Sure. So for me, it became this challenge. It was like, hey, how do I do this? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Just figure I had to figure it out. And I go, okay, great. Sure. I'm going to figure mm -hmm. it out, and I'm going to do better than you ever dreamt of doing. Exactly. Exactly. I said, that's my own ego plasm. I just spilled all over the floor. Great. Uh, no, no, no. But, but that's the cool thing about this all is that there is a big connect with – and that's the other thing I tell people about Facebook. It's good and it's bad. It's all on how you use it, and you know I've seen friends get torn apart with Facebook, but then again I see friends literally learn a lot off it, and that's how I'm at. I'm in the middle. Um, I'm like an independent. I you know I go no here nor there. I don't start any fires. I don't put on any fires. I just do what I do, and but I see what I see, and and you know in that respect it's a great thing. You know, if you're going to torture yourself, that's, you know, that's your problem. You know, if you're ready to take on the, uh, the world, well, have at it, you know, uh, <laughs> verbally, I'm, I'm saying. And uh, it's funny how people have a strong mind when it comes to typing and you don't see anybody in front of you. And, you know, that's, that's their boat. Uh, but my boat has always been optimistic. Uh, and just like you said, Brian, you know, if, if you can see it and nobody's going to tell you how to do it, you figure it out. You just figure that baby out. And you work at it until you get it done. And like you said, I'll get it done better than the other guy. Uh, but then you always have those people that uh, I know that I can call many of friends and, um, of course, with Brad and, and yourself that if I needed something or needed help, I'm, I'm sure I'll get it, you know, and uh, vice versa. Absolutely. I, I will certainly tell you the wrong. I mean, I tell you the 100% way to do it. <laughs> no, in a heartbeat, man. I'd be honest. Wink, I'd wink. Be... Is that I a wink, wink? <laughs> He's coming to me? I, I would be second guessing myself the entire time I was telling you, I was like, is this going to be good enough for him? <laughs> well, what you guys got to do with these podcasts, and I'm going to give you a, uh, a little insight because I wish I would have done it. And I love what you guys are doing here, but someday uh, go live with this and go into, into the studios and talk and see the guy's studio. Um, oh, I, you, know, you, you, uh, so should we let the, do we let the cat out of the bat? Hey. Uh, let's okay. Let's hint at what we were a little bit ahead of that curve on what we've been doing on the side. We can't say much about it. Sure. There's a bigger part of this. This is but one small cog. Great. In in a really really convoluted messy machine. It's all that eye candy. It's that stuff that people only dream about. Can you imagine back in the day seeing Big Deal and then seeing his artwork oh. and meeting the guy? I, I was fortunate to meet him because I went to um, a birthday party of um, – I'm, I'm of a crush for names. 
Um, but anyway, big deal was there. Steve Stanford was there. I was taken there by um, uh, Tedder, uh, Greg Tedder. Wow. Um, and um, I met Big Dylan. I, I have a, he went to his car, he brought it back, and he signed a um, model of a split bumper 1970 Camaro that I, same year oh. I had. He, he says, because we were talking about cars, and I, that was my high school car, was the split bumper Camaro. So he <laughs> walks out to his car, and his, he opens his trunk, and he's got all these models. And he's looking through, and sure enough, he's got this flip bumper Camaro. <laughs> he signs it, big deal on it to Art. I'm oh. like, oh, my God. You know, you were those like the ones that came out in the early 70s? Was it one of those? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, those were so cool. Oh, things a, ever, man. Absolutely amazing. But oh, that's the thing. If To know this guy, his studio, and uh, you know uh, his annex, who he is, and what have you, because that was another guy that – Man, talk about a hero, talk about an icon, talk about, you know, copying his work because uh, it was just so out there, so cool, so cartoony, so well right. done, so well thought out. Oh, my God. It was just so fun to see. Absolutely so fun to see. And to meet the guy personally, uh, it was just an awesome, you know, to have met him. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Art, for coming on. That was, yeah, was that's that's what we wanted to hear. We wanted to get a little insight on on you. And I'm. I'm glad you came on here. I, I really am. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm very appreciative of it and uh, looking forward now to hearing your future podcasts. Uh, waiting to see who you guys got next. And I'm going to even go back uh, and listen to more of these. This, this is a great deal. And like I said, um, you know, kudos to you guys. Love what you guys are doing. And um, this is good. One to recommend. Listen to the James Owens one. Oh. James Owens. Oh, man. There's a guy, too. Now, there's this an is, You will die laughing. Yes, James Owens he's a is funny our dude. Jim, yeah, Jim's not only a hell of an artist, but one hell of an entertaining human being. Oh, I bet. <laughs> no. I mean, he's a very – he's intellectual and he's funny. I met the James uh, – Jim several times at the car show at the uh, Nationals over here, and uh, what a guy. Uh, his artwork is next to none. I mean, it's just phenomenal, phenomenal artist. Yeah. And that's the other thing. He, I mean – Literally, he just took it to the next level, and uh, his artwork was just stupendous. I, I mean, yeah, I think we all gaga over that. He's got just some great ideas that he works with, too. It's just phenomenal. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, Brad, when you come, I, I was going to just mention a couple of things. I'm, I've invented some things, too, um, that are going to be coming out in the next couple of years. We're working on patents and um, uh, trademarks and um, it will help the airbrushing community and the painting community and the multimedia community so uh, we're excited about that so a lot of things are coming over the horizon just, uh, just seems like there's not enough days and isn't it as we get older it just were the freak the time goes man yeah. uh, we wake yeah. up in the morning and you're already in the bed going what the heck happened today um, <laughs> it's just amazing that we, as the older we get we're getting closer to that it's Literally, when they say over the hill and you're going down, man, it is fast. <laughs> it's going quick. Remember, there's that part in your life when you want, oh, you want time to go so fast. And then yeah. there's that oh, yeah. time you want it to just slow down. Oh, that's where I'm at. Slow down. Slow down. Slow the freak down, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. well, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate the uh, onboard and being number 61. I'm going to have to write that down and uh, know that that's the one. So, um, thanks again. Really appreciate thanks. it. Thank, and, you. Uh, Thank you, sir. Thanks for making time. Thanks for sharing. Brad, Brad, hey. we'll see you soon. Absolutely, sir. Be talking to you soon. All right, buddy. Thanks, All right, man. guys. All Take right, care. Yeah. Hey, have a great night, Art. You too. Bye-bye.
Well, man, that was that was a hell of a trip into uh, the the magic kingdom of Art's brain, man. It's not a small world. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, hey, okay. But um, here, sir. Wow. wow, yeah, Brett, what do you got, man? Yeah. I got nothing. Hall of Presidents, come on. Got uh, gone with like some kind of magic teacup. Anything? Yeah. Climbing Space Mountain right now or something? It was it was a it was a wild ride. Oh, <laughs> Ooh. I guess it all just doesn't matter, Horn anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, great to have Art Alvarez with us, man. A, a guy who uh, obviously has done just a little bit of everything and has been really good at it. Yes. Yep. Jeez, Louise. That's, and I, yeah. and I like the for, I like the Forrest Gump uh, analogy. Yeah. So that was that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a guy with with a command of right time, right place, and right attitude. So, uh, man, if there's anything you can learn from that, uh, positive attitude, um, a crapload of inhuman talent, and being able to sleep just three or four hours a night, and you too can uh, have a collection of thousands of airbrushes. It's great, though, having a guy who has done automotive art, fine art, and is now kind of moving into a whole new segment of his life. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he's got planned because he seemed really, really excited about it, and it's going to be pretty cool. No doubt, man, and I think he had a lot of good points, too. I mean, here's a guy who, even though he's going into that new kind of level where, I mean, you're talking museum work and being with other masters in the world, still has his finger on the pulse of what would help an up-and-coming airbrush artist at a local show. Mm-hmm. That's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think, not not to make a pun, but I think that really illustrates what this whole thing's about, man. And, uh, very cool. And, yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, a, a big thank you, though, on a serious note, to uh, our continuing sponsor, uh, the good folks over at Trailer Tug, the world's strongest trailer dolly. Uh, cannot say thanks enough, man. Uh, they, they have kept the lights on here. Uh, well, at least one of the lights on here, Brad, it's your week to go without light. So it was your turn. So I'm, I'm enjoying every moment of it. I have an incandescent <laughs> tan that <laughs> rivals freaking George Hamilton. I, um, yeah, that all said, uh, go, go to, uh, trailer And if you use the code word round six at checkout you receive 10 percent off your order that simple wow at the end of this episode i am uh, i am no longer a grumpy brian wow man i got nothing i truly got nothing well i'm, I'm a bred. freshly airbrushed alex wow mm-hmm. nice uh, Brad, you, you could have totally gone for a Pocahontas reference. I had nothing. It was just, just there was nothing there, man. I had nothing to grab onto. Oh, it's all good though. Right? Don't forget though, it, it, it's a small world, Brad. Yeah, and see, that's what I couldn't get out of my brain was a small world, and I couldn't go there because it's like, oh, I'm gonna be thinking about that for another week. So, <laughs> or at uh, least until we get into Tomorrowland. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um. <laughs> Disney puns aplenty. All right. Uh, thank you for, for listening to us. Uh, why you do that? Um, that, that that's on you. Uh, 
but seriously thanks again for uh listening to us supporting this and um again thanks to our our guest tonight art alvarez if you'd like you can check out uh more of art's work and learn even more about the guy's incredible career over on his website at alvarezdesign.com all right guys well hey uh thanks again for joining us thank you guys for uh making it a great show gentlemen and um yeah we will catch you guys uh next week back at you Hey, see ya. See ya. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to keep up with us gearheads over on our website at www.round6pod.com. And if you'd like to, we invite you to follow along with us over on Facebook, Instagram, and be sure to check out all of our latest videos on youtube.com. Big thanks once again to our sponsor, Trailer Tug. Please visit them at TrailerTug.com and learn more about the world's strongest trailer dolly. Our listeners receive 10% off their order when they use the discount code ROUND6 at checkout or when calling their order in.